2 Corinthians 5. Did I say 7? I was wrong. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. You didn't know you were creatures, did you? <clears throat> new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. In verse 20, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador is one who represents another country outside of the country in which he resides in. You may be seated. <clears throat> then Galatians, the sixth chapter. Galatians, the sixth chapter, verse 15, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. A new creature. Praise God. And then, uh, well, first let me just, I want to explain some things. Uh, Sunday night I shook several people up by saying if the Lord came around Christmas time, there are going to be a whole lot of people. Uh, ready because of people who miss church and they say they said several people asked me said does that mean we should not go out of town on Christmas no that wasn't what I was saying I I probably didn't explain myself well I have noticed however a real pattern that around some of the major holidays some of you just miss a lot just plain miss a lot uh, you got to bake cookies or get ready uh, you know trim a tree or somebody asked me if it was a sin to have a Christmas tree I said well depends on when you put it up and when you take it down and how much time you spend around it if you miss church buying a Christmas tree and you miss church decorating it you have sinned a horrible sin maybe not a sin unto death unless it falls on you and kills you <clears throat> but uh, <clears throat> Just a, just a habit that a lot of you are in, that uh, any anything that's taking place that generates excitement, you feel for some reason it's uh, licensed just to kind of lay out a church. I know not too long ago, and I, I don't remember who told me this, but said, I can't be there on Thursday night because we're leaving, you know, to go on vacation. Not Thursday night, are you? No, no, we're not leaving until Saturday morning. <clears throat> I can load a whole U-Haul truck between Thursday night and Saturday morning, but to miss church. Now, I said that because I think where you put your priorities is, you know, it's an extremely important issue. It really is. It is a very, very important issue. Uh, I have read the scriptures that I've read to, to explain our true disposition in the Lord. We are really different from the people of the world. And uh, that's something that you need to get embedded in your mind. Now, for the last how long, I don't know, I've talked uh, about separation. And I, I feel that there is a, a real reason why the Lord's been leading me this way. It's not just something I'm hung up on as much as I'm feeling a real leading of God. 
was listening to the radio last night. It was quite late at night. The news came on. I just happened to have the radio on, and uh, really I wasn't listening to it until this advertisement came on. So I listened to the advertisement. It was about probably 1.15 in the morning. And the advertisement came on. They were advertising. This was on one of the Madison stations. They were given the weather and given the news. Then they said that there's a book that you can order, and they were saying that they recommend this book for pet owners. And you can get the book, and when you get the book, it is really a, a, a catalog of pet supplies and such. However, they have these microchips that you can, you can order out of this book, and you can take those down to your vet, and he can implant those uh, in your pet, not your child. He probably wouldn't do that, but in your pet's uh, skin, underneath the skin. And they were talking about this, that this has been used extensively in Europe, uh, even on human beings. A lot of uh, uh, smaller schools have used them, especially in areas where children have been abducted and such. And so uh, it's a good thing, and most vets, uh, you know, it's a simple operation. Just uh, they have a needle that they just uh, inject under uh, the skin, and they just push that little microchip. And what it is then through a monitor that you can buy. Uh, when I say a monitor, I'm not talking about a, a visible type, but some kind of little gadget you can buy. Uh, you you know the pet's within a certain range or this type thing, and the frequency changes. Now, what they said was that with with such a, a system, you, we could actually uh, find out or keep track of all the animals in the world. Then they said, well, this is also true of of human beings. Now, this is what got me. Maybe some of you have heard this. Have you heard, any of you heard this? This advertisement? Then this is what they said. They said, and the title of the book is called The Mark. That's the title of this book. It's called The Mark. And I thought, oh, wait a minute. Did I hear that correctly? And so they gave it again, the mark. Well, <clears throat> you know, we've been talking about the mark of the beast uh, <clears throat> since the apostles' days because it's found in the Bible. They're, they're talking, the, the Bible speaks of the mark of the beast. And, and of course, you know that uh, <clears throat> right now America is in the greatest revolution as far as change is concerned we've ever had. Uh, there, there are just a lot of things that are coming to the forefront. When we first started talking about New Age, for example, I mean, this was a very quiet thing. You know, nobody said much about it. Now you can go in bookstores and have large sections that just says New Age materials. Just, uh, just large sections, New Age materials. Uh, outcome-based education, which is part of the New Age movement, brother. Brother Earl Story talked about this, but now it's you hear it all over the radios. People are trying to defend outcome-based education. <clears throat> Just this past week, I listened to a couple of people explaining it, and of course they would say that American history will not be taught anymore. Didn't I? Please understand, this is already in many public schools. 
Sun Prairie, it's in Sun Prairie, I know for sure. I know it is in Sun Prairie. American history will not be taught, and this professor was saying that what we would do will open the paper, read current events, which happens not to be history, you know. But we'll read current events, and then we will just explain history uh, that led up to this particular current event. And that's the way, that's all that we'll teach about American history. Uh, of course, uh, testing and things like this are gone out the window. 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 <coughs> well, that's, that's part of my southern. <coughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Well, that sounded great, didn't it? Winder. <coughs> Outcome-based education. <coughs> I learned that in school, I'll have you to know. It's <coughs> the way my teacher talked. <coughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, it, it really is amazing. And, and, and the public is, for the most part, I'd say... Of all the people I've heard calling in to the talk shows and such, probably 80 to 85% against and 15% for. But the truth of the matter is, it'll be pushed on us unless some drastic changes take place. And we are just headed toward a global dissolving and governments becoming intertwined and and uh, we become a, a one-world government. Now, I have contended all along that the one-world government is not so bad. After all, that's what's going to happen during the millennial. Uh, during the me- millennial? <laughs> Boy, we're in for a good night, aren't we? <clears throat> <clears throat> I believe I need some water. You notice this plant? Did anybody else give? Did anybody give this plant some water? Did you? Well, this one looks so nice. I noticed this one was drooping a little bit. I was going to give this one a drink tonight, but Sister Chris, you you gave it. All right, I'm going to drink the water myself. Now, where was I? Sunday night, I had problems forgetting. I was telling a few things Sunday night, and I I just just forgot what I was telling it for. I've got to, I'm going to have to watch this, you know. Now, where was I now? <clears throat> oh, the millennium. Yes. <clears throat> Actually, I was just <clears throat> trying to test you to find out if you knew where I was. <clears throat> Do you believe that? <clears throat> <clears throat> you will never know. <clears throat> but uh, the millennium is one world government ruled by Jesus Christ. It's not a bad idea. The problem that we find in our day concerning a one-world government is that it is prophesied, but it will be in the hands of the Antichrist. And we're certainly edging toward that. The, the, the PLO and the Israeli Agreement, Covenant, I made mention of this, in, in a message, could very easily be the covenant uh, that's found in the book of Daniel. We know that the Antichrist will make a covenant with 
the Jewish people. When the Jewish people then find out that they have been deceived, this is when that they will turn away and they will then cry for their Messiah to return. Did you read the article in last Saturday's paper, was it? Sunday's paper, Brother John? Brother uh, John Repka called me and I picked it up. The <clears throat> had to do with the, the Pope uh, coming. And, of course, some uh, agreement or some accord was to be reached. And, uh, of course, they, they were saying that uh, they, were, they were hoping that everything would be up and up and well understood and such because just as the Jews rejected the Messiah one time, this could very easily be the second rejection of the Messiah. Uh, a lot of things are taking place. But, you know, it's amazing to me how many Christians now are just plain losing their brains over things. Not wanting to pray. Not wanting to attend church. Do you know that there is a pressure and a force against you? Do you know that some of that don't want to attitude is coming as a direct result of pressure from the spirit world? Just to take your desire away from you to serve God? Now, what I want to do is just help you in this area of desire. If you will turn to John 3, this has to do with the new birth, and most of you are are so well acquainted with this. We have guests who are here. I, I, I'm reading this actually for your benefit. I think most all of our people could quote this. Um, perhaps you can quote this also. But John 3, verse 3, Jesus tells Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's how you became a new creature through the new birth. Now, <clears throat> the word creature that's found there in first, Second Corinthians 5 actually means a new species. That's basically what it's talking about. Now, <clears throat> when we think of different species, we, we think of different types or different kinds I think the word kind is used in the story of the creation. Each produced after its own kind. Or each species was separated by many different physical and mental uh, characteristics. You just find ducks near water, see. And, and you find fish in the water. And a fish just doesn't have the ability to crawl out on dry land, walk around and steal your cat food at night, go back in the stream. <clears throat> because he can't change that quickly. <laughs> he can't change at all. That's the way he that's the way he was was made. That's the way he will continue to be. Now there is in nature uh, a phenomenon known as metamorphosis. Now I'm not for sure where metamorphosis originated. I do know that uh, that the word metabolism 
and metamorphosis come from the same. It does have to do with the changing of metabolism going into a dormant uh, stage. Just It's like a death. Take the little caterpillar and and uh, crawling around, and all of a sudden it goes into this metamorphic change. It dies. It just crawls up on a limb someplace and becomes dormant. Now, normally we think butterflies come from caterpillars. That's really not true. Moths come from caterpillars. Uh, butterflies come from chrysalises. Uh, this is just kind of a, a, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right or not, but I think so. A chrysalis, uh, this worm just eats eats around on the tree and all of a sudden decides, well, I've got enough, I think I'll rest. And its metabolism changes and it goes, it, it turns into almost a wax-like uh, uh, su- substance and it's attached to the tree and then the chrysalis sheds its skin. And then here you just have this hard bug-looking thing hanging on the tree. Hangs there for a, a while, some longer than others, depending on the type of uh, butterfly that's going to come forward. But see, something inside of that's taking place. It, it's like a coffin. It's like a casket. It's like a sheath. But inside, see... Uh, things are being transformed. They're being changed. Things are being reprogrammed in in the mind of that dormant uh, individual. Then after a while, the chrysalis expands, begins to break open. And guess what happens? You see a new creature coming out. Now, there are other uh, species in the world that go through this metamorphic change. That The tadpole turns into a frog. Well, when I was a kid, I used to catch tadpoles. Keep them in water long enough to see them change. You see, all of a sudden, they start growing legs. Way up close to the front up in here, they'll grow a little leg. The leg will start sticking out. Now, you can tell when they start growing these legs that their metabolism and everything's changing because they don't swim so quickly. They get exceptionally fat. They start losing their tails. You know, some people might call that evolution. You know, I don't know how anybody can believe in evolution. You know, really, when you think about it, you know, I I was over at the bank today, and I had the radio on listening to the news, and I heard the report out of Chicago again about the, the Pentecostal lady. Her and her husband says, no, we'll not have this baby C-section. And, of course, it went all the way to the Supreme Court of, of Illinois, and they refused to force the lady to have this. And, of course, the big thing was, well, the baby's going to die, and, then, of course, the pro-choice people, they were saying That's, this, this is murder. And then the pro-life people saying, well, <clears throat> wait just a minute. You abort babies all the time. You don't call that murder. And 
you know, I heard the pros and the cons, several talk shows on it. I certainly am not against any lady, lady having a C-section. But the doctors had said this child is going to die, cannot be born. It will suffocate in its mother's womb. And, of course, the baby was born normally, appeared to be normal. The upgrade this afternoon was that, hey, this is a perfectly healthy child. And the father was explaining, my wife and I prayed, and we were looking for a miracle, and we believed that this is what God wanted, and, and we have our miracle baby. Miracles happen all the time. Isn't that great? It really is. It really is great. Now, I'm not saying that I agree with what they did. I I don't see anything wrong with having a C-section and have a baby, but I will say this. You know, a few situations like that when the doctors say, this can't be, that baby will die. You'll murder that baby. And all of a sudden, here's a healthy baby, and the doctor says, we don't know why. You know, the world needs some miracles. You know, really. And people are saying, well, we we sprang from monkeys. You know. This is, you know, you see the see the guys now, you know, the girls, <clears throat> they've had it hard for a long time. See the guys, you know, going around now and they they just shave their heads and got this one little tail hanging out down there. Someone told me, he said, well, looks like we're reverting back. I said, well, for sure, if I was going to grow a tail, I wouldn't want to grow it on the back of my head. <clears throat> That's sure not the right place to grow one. <clears throat> but nevertheless, see, all of this lets us know that we got such a changing world, changing styles, changing... Man is having a hard time finding his true identity. Doesn't know what he wants to be. Really. He he doesn't have any idea what he wants to be for the most part. You know, one day he wants to be a saint, and the next day, you know, who knows. And, And very rarely do you find on this planet Earth individuals who just are happy being what they are. Now, that doesn't mean that change is not in order, but I'm talking about they're just happy being a Christian. There's a whole lot of unrest in the Christian community today. You know that? A lot of unrest. Well, then we see after a while, the, after the programming is taking place inside, remember that that caterpillar is growing tendons where tendons have not been, muscles where muscles have not been. The brain is being reprogrammed. You know the reason why? Because when it emerges, it's going to have wings now. It's not going to have little tiny legs. It'll have legs. But for the most part, its primary mode of travel will be fly. So something's got to take place inside of that brain that when those wings unfold, and that's one of the first things that that takes place, they unfold and they start drying, 
before the body actually slips out of this chrysalis. And the wings will be dry, and a lot of them will emerge right from that in flight. Now, it's been programmed in their mind how to use those wings, and that those wings happen to furnish them a greater mode of transportation than they've ever had before. Some of the butterflies fly all the way from the Great Lake states down to Central and South America. Long ways. They just, it, it is amazing. It really is. But you see, that has to be programmed in their brain. That takes place during this slowdown of metabolism, this deep sleep that comes over them. Now, a moth spins a cocoon, encases itself, uh, I guess the, the one that we know the most about, or at least you hear of the most about, is, is the silkworm. Some of the finest material made, it's silk. And it's that uh, spinning of that web, and they take that and they make silk out of it. But a moth comes forth. Then it goes in your claws and eats the silk back up. <laughs> I'm not for sure that's the way it works, but <clears throat> but but it but it really is it really is amazing, isn't it? Now, you see, what I see in the new birth is that that a, a very similar thing took place because you see, when you're born of water and a spirit, this is an actual death. It is a burial and it is a resurrection of a new creature. I mean a new creature. One that's been reprogrammed. One to think differently. One to act differently. Now, <clears throat> the amazing thing, however, about the human being is when he is born of the Spirit, that the metamorphic change that takes place in in the, the life of of the butterfly is kind of a permanent thing. In other words, he's not gonna he can't go back and be a caterpillar again. He's gonna live his life being a butterfly. It may not be long, but he's gonna live his life. He doesn't chew now on the on the branches and leaves anymore. He goes from blossom to blossom, collecting the nectar and such. Nature's way of pollinating trees so that uh, things will continue. But the Christian can go back. I wouldn't say as often as he wants to because sometimes God draws a line. And you see, the reason why that some Christians do not see the real value of their walk with God is that while they ought to be on cloud nine flying with the Lord, they're down crawling again on their stomachs. And then when it comes church time, I don't know if I want to go to church or not. 
Do you follow what I'm saying? Now, I, I think I think there's a scripture that comes to my mind that, that is extremely important, and most of you can quote this, but we want to read it. And that's Romans 12. Romans 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Okay? Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Transformed. By the renewing of your mind. But let me ask you this. How often should that transformation take place? That's the big question. How often do you experience metamorphosis or, as Paul puts, puts it, death to the old man? Paul said, I die daily. Now that's very, very important for you to understand. I die daily. So what Paul is saying, <clears throat> be not conformed to this world. I guess the best example I could give you of conforming to the world would be uh, a leaf that falls off the tree or a blade of grass that gets bent by the wind that, that is dead because of the frost. Uh, let's say a clump of grass that's, or weeds a couple of feet high. All of a sudden a cow comes by and steps on it. Presses it down in the mud. The winter rains, fall rains come and winter freezes come. And come spring, you go out there, where is that big tall weed? You may pick it up, pick a few pieces up and say, here, where did it go? It has returned to the earth. And that's what the Bible says, be not conformed to this world. Philip's translation Puts it like this. Don't let the world squeeze you back into its mold. In other words, you're a butterfly now. Don't let, don't let the devil take you or the world take you and push you back in that chrysalis and reshape you and change your mind and put you back crawling up and eating leaves and being a worm again. Don't let that happen to you. But it happens to people all the time. And they think it's great. I mean, really, they think it's great. And the reason why they think it's great is because when the mind changes, and you just accept that this is my life, you're going to feel this great for a while. Now, you may get sick of it after a while. But that, that's just the way that it works. But Paul says, I die daily. He also talks of the inner man. <laughs> Though the outer man perish, the inner man is renewed day by day in the Holy Ghost. Day by day in the Holy Ghost. The tadpole that's been swimming loses its tail, grows legs, crawls out on the bank, and starts hopping. Now, there was something in its mind. I don't know if you've ever seen tadpoles swim or not. 
But they, they just don't have fins like fish, you know. But there was something in its mind that when it was hatched from the egg, there was something in its mind that said, if you want to move over here, you go like this. And so the little tail went like this. After a while, it became a frog, and something in its mind reprogrammed and says, now if you want to get from point A to point B, you go like this. That's the way you do it. Because remember now, you're a different creature than what you used to be. So it's no more like this to the water. It's like this from stone to stone. And isn't it also true of, of, of Christians? You know, you say, well, why this? Why? Listen, you know, you can just talk your head off to people who are not in the church. You're not going to get them under, to understand what, why you do what you're doing. There's some that, that are not, not compatible. Some creatures are not compatible. I was amazed the other day I went into the barn. We have been having our cats are, are very fat. And they're not going to have babies because Sister Grant uh, uh, took them over the vet and, and, and the vet performed some magic on them. <clears throat> Charges $35 a piece, more or less, I think it was more, and said they won't have babies anymore. But we have a couple of fat cats, and really fat. I mean, they just big. <clears throat> So we thought, man, they're sure eating a lot of cat food, so we cut back, we cut back. And every time you walk out the barn, you know, they just run and always standing in front of you, you just step on them. And <clears throat> you know how it goes. You know how cats are. Well, we get feeling sorry for them. We put more up there. Well, <clears throat> I went in the barn the other day, and would you believe that right on the cat trough, one of our, our cats is on one side, you know, there's two bowls. One of them's up there eating, and on the other side was a big opossum commonly known as a possum. They were just sitting up there just licking their chops and eating together. I thought, I can't believe this. <clears throat> Do possums and cats eat together? <clears throat> Obviously they do, because they were. <clears throat> but I didn't think they would eat together. And you know, you wouldn't commonly think that they would. I mean, you wouldn't expect a big chicken hawk and that's that's kind of a common name for any hawk that will catch a chicken, and and some of these big red red-tailed hawks will do that. I mean, they they will actually catch a chicken as big as they are almost. The farmers know that. They'll fly over the the, the barnyards, and I mean, the chickens will just fly, hide for cover. You wouldn't expect a chicken and a red-tailed hawk to be out there eating, would you? Together, just eating corn together. They're enemies. Mm, they don't eat together. If they ever eat together, one of them's eating and the other one's just together. <laughs> you know, that's the way it goes. You know, they just, they're not compatible. They're not. They just simply are not. Now, Philippians 2 5, and here is, here is something that is just. It's a powerful scripture. It's one that most of you know. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. 
Now, <clears throat> the Bible says that that Paul puts it this way. He said, My little children whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. We, we often think of the flesh as the outer shell. That is the, the body. But when we think of flesh, in a biblical sense, we not only think of just the outer shell of the body, but the, the desires and such of an unregenerated heart, the works of the flesh. But what Paul was saying is, is the, the inner man that's inside of you, could, could we just let that inner man just be formed so that, it, that he projects Christ to the world? People see the Lord. They see who Jesus was. They know who Jesus was. So let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, 1 Corinthians 2, and this is the, the scripture <coughs> that I called your attention to. Before, 1 Corinthians 2, um, let's, let's look at verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. which none of the princes of this world knew, for, they, for had they have known it, they would, have, would, would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Uh, this is just something that, that is just astounding. If people knew who Jesus was, the Bible says they would not have crucified him, but they did crucify him, didn't they not? Then, then what, where's the problem? The problem was that as much as as God wanted them to understand who He was, He could not reveal Himself because that they did not have the ability to perceive, to understand. He spoke in parables. So we have this mystery. And even people who came to the Lord and gave their heart to Him, there were so many things that they didn't know about Him, they just did it by faith. I I was reading not too long ago about uh, Coca-Cola that happens to be the number one selling pop in the world. Uh, Coca-Cola is manufactured manufactured in over 100 different countries. Now the thing about it though, all of the syrup that's used in it is manufactured in one place, and that's in Atlanta, Georgia. And there are 165 million cans of Coca-Cola made and sold per day in the world. It's a lot of it, isn't it? Now, the reason why that all the syrup is made in one small factory is because it's a secret formula that's used. you remember when the new Coke came out? Coke was being challenged by some of the 
competitors, more specifically Pepsi, Pepsi-Cola. Pepsi-Cola is a lot better than Coke, I think, but then that's just... It's the first time I've got an applause since preaching. Sister Grant has real long fingers. If you... I don't know if you've ever noticed that. Sister Grant's hands are longer than mine. And, and that's because she carries a lot of Pepsi out of Woodman. <clears throat> that was just a joke. <clears throat> but uh, they were being challenged, so they said, we'll go the new Coke. It didn't go over so good, did it? So after a while, they went back and they started the classic Coke again. The old Coke. Some, some people said, well, you can register and you can patent the formula, the recipe. And they said, no, nobody outside of a special few people in the world will know what's in the Coke recipe. For over 90 years, it has been handed down to just one or two people at a time. Now, I don't know if you feel comfortable drinking something like that or not. You know the reason why it was originally named Coke, don't you? Because it actually contained cocaine. You knew that, didn't you? I think it was in 1954 (coughs) in which the U.S. government said no soft drinks can contain cocaine anymore because they were very habit-forming. I think they still are, but I'm not for sure what they put in them. (coughs) Caffeine, I think. But <clears throat> that's pretty. That caffeine thing's pretty sensitive. We won't. We won't talk about that. <clears throat> but I said all of that to say that that <clears throat> you know you 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 don't have to know the formula to enjoy a Coke, do you? No. I'm amazed. Huh? Sister Grant gets that Pepsi, and and then she goes and gets me this. Oh, honey flavored, flavored, from them. Honey flavored, flavored. Honey, I better be quiet, okay? <laughs> she goes and gets me this, what I call this junk pop. I picked it up and I said, "Hun," she says, "Oh, you will gain weight." Well, I looked on it. It says no sodium. Artificially flavored, flavored. Oh. I shouldn't. What is wrong with me? Oh, my. You don't think I can say that word, do you? I don't think I can either. I have to drink some water. But you, you look down, and everything, it doesn't have anything in it. And then it's on the front, it says, One fantastic calorie. One fantastic calorie. It doesn't have anything in it. How can it be fantastic? It doesn't taste good. It doesn't smell good. It has aftertaste. It's got a lot of flavor. No sodium. Oh, thank you. I'm telling you. You know, really, you, you think when you think about it. But do you have to know what's in a Coke to enjoy a Coke? Do you have to know what's in a Pepsi to enjoy a Pepsi? Well, see, the thing about it is, 
You know, the, the thing about it is, there are a lot of people that don't know a lot about the Bible that can enjoy the Lord. They just accept it by faith. But you see what the world, the world comes along and they say, if this don't make sense to me, I'm not going to believe it. You're not going to get me to, to drink of the fountains of eternal life if I can't figure it out. And because that they, they have never experienced the death of the old man. I mean, do you think the people on the day of Pentecost knew what justification by faith was all about? Absolutely not. They learned about that from the Apostle Paul many years later. They didn't know much about repentance or, or anything. They just knew that there was a heaviness in their heart and they wanted to repent before God and ask Him to forgive them. They did that. They gave their heart to the Lord. This is the reason why when 90% of the people you baptize, they have no idea as to why. Is it necessary that they know why? Then, well, someone just showed them in the Bible and they said, Oh, yes, I believe that because the Bible says it. That's faith. They accept it by faith. Usually the person that says, well, I don't know, you got to prove to me in the Scripture. Spend two or three hours in the room trying to prove to him and see if he's going to get baptized. Because he's trying to rationalize this from a natural mind. But when he gets hungry for God and there's a witness of the Spirit, he sees it in the Scripture and he knows that he should obey God. There's something inside of man. That when God speaks to him, it's like that little caterpillar that says, Stop right here and don't move another inch. Because I'm going to cause a deep sleep to come upon you. And when you come out of that chrysalis, there's going to be something beautiful that comes out of that casket, that grave. And God can stop you just cold in your tracks. And says, don't move another inch. Because you're going to be reprogrammed and rechanged. You're going to have, where you didn't have nerves before. And you're going to have muscles, tendons, wings to fly. Spiritually speaking, you're not going to be like you used to be. Now all of a sudden, you see the beautiful caterpillar or butterfly trying to be a caterpillar again. Crawling up, eating, trying to eat the leaves. Can't eat the leaves anymore. Those little sharp teeth crunch down and gnaw it away. It's not that way anymore. Mm -hmm. It's not that way anymore. Read Deuteronomy 22, the law of separation. I'm just going to cover some something here with you. And I, <clears throat> I'm just going to read one scripture in verse 10. Thou shalt not plow with an ox and an ass together. It's talking about compatibility. <clears throat> there is a reason why. You know, I've <clears throat> I spent a little time and working with horses. I've really enjoyed it. I 
I just uh, am amazed. You know, one thing, most everybody likes horses. They'll go places, see horses. Kids will flock around them. We have old old fashioned. What is wrong with me? Old fashioned Sunday. And uh, we can't keep the kids away from the horses. And I just, uh, it bothers me sometimes. Down at our, our place, we fenced in a new air area and we let the horses out and they went up. It's behind the neighbor's yard. And the kids were out there lying down on the grass just right among the horses. I thought, oh, no. Well, we warned those kids you can't do that. We've got an electric fence up there now. You know, electric fence, it won't kill a kid, but it'll make him wish he were dead. <clears throat> you know, it's, I mean, it's, they're powerfully strong. It'll knock you right down. Those kids, I told, I told the neighbor, she said, oh, what, what's going to happen? And I said, those kids would dare each other to touch that fence. Our grandkids do that. They think it's funny. One of them gets fried and jolted, you know, and it's just, they'll get down and slide underneath. I saw them down there sliding underneath the wire just like this. Got to go out and pet the horses. Well, to get out there, you know, I don't like for people to feed my horses because those horses, they can't see their teeth, you know. And you take carrots out there. They don't know a finger from a carrot. Really, there have been a lot of kids so if you're going to feed a horse grain, you hold your hand flat. Make sure he's eating out of the palm. Don't do like this. You might draw back a nub, as my dad used to say. <clears throat> really? So, you know, you have to watch. So they're not just little pets, but to those kids, see? We say, oh, look at those kids out there. We've got to do something about this. Those big old horses, you know, it's amazing. There's so much just programmed in their brains when they're born. There's a lot of different types of horses. You know, they have what they call gated horses. How many of you know what a gated horse is? <clears throat> Normally, all horses have gates. And when we say gates, now we're not talking about G-A-T-E, it's G-A-I-T. And that simply means that they move in a particular way, and their movement is called a particular gate. Like a walk is called a gate. And a trot, that's another gate. Then a canter, that's another gate. See? And then a gallop, that's another gate. And then they have five gated horses, uh, American saddlebred. Some of them pace, some of them trot, some of them, well, they don't foxtrot. There, there is an American foxtrotter. Now, I just want to explain something just for a moment, because this is very important for you to understand. In order for you to understand what the Scripture is saying. See, the difference between a pacer and a trotter. See, a pacer moves both legs on the same side together in unison. When the back leg comes forward, the front one goes forward. So he's going like this with all four legs. Just like this. And the pacers are very smooth horses. If you if you get on a... Uh, Let's say a Tennessee walker that happens to be a pacer. You just kind of go back and forth like this. Now, they're not good rodeo horses. They're not real fast. They're not good roping horses. They make good movies because they're flashy. You know, uh, Roy Rogers' horse, Trigger, was a Tennessee walker. I don't know if you knew that. It's not, not typically a western horse, but it's Tennessee walker. Uh, I had a man one time who wanted to challenge me. He was on a Tennessee walker. He wanted to 
race me. And I was on my, my quarter horse. I said, well, there won't be a race to it. I said, well, he, he thought I was bragging. You're just bragging. No, I'm not bragging. It's your horse is not, it was not bred. It, its brain's not programmed that way. You don't teach horses to pace. They just do it. It's programmed in their brain from birth. That's just the way they are. Try to break one of them from pacing and see how much success you'll get. It's in his brain. You can't get it out of there. So I told him, I said, I'll race you for a half a mile, and I'll let you get on the quarter-mile line, and I'll beat you the finish line. Because the quarter horse was built for speed on a quarter of a mile to a half a mile. There's not a horse in the world can catch a quarter horse on a half a mile. But then there's a whole lot of things they can't do, too. And the foxtrotter comes along. The foxtrotter walks. It has a special gait. Walks with its front feet and trots with its hind feet. And it has what they call a flat walk or a lateral walk, which it picks its back foot up real high, goes down, and just before it pounds, it goes parallel to the ground and then comes softly down. And you can clip run along, you know, real fast, about 10 miles, 10 to 12 miles an hour on a foxtrotter that's foxtrotting. And they could go all day long that way. They were plantation horses. They were bred to be that way. There are some horses that are very unique, like the standard bred, which can pace and also trot. But it's in his brain. And they put little harnesses on them so that so that whenever they're they're pulling the carts and everything, they're pacing that they'll only pace because if they break into a trot then they're disqualified. Or if they're trotting and they break into a pace. So they got this little harness that, that just goes tightly around the front leg and the back leg. And if they try to r- go out like this, like a trotter does, with his hind legs and his front, well, he can't go out like that. So that's just to remind him, you're supposed to pace. Now, I said that to say this. Do you think it would be wise if you had a carriage. Put yourself back in the horse and buggy days. If you had a carriage, you think it'd be wise to take a quarter horse and hook it up with a Tennessee walker? And that those that's going to be your pair to pull your carriage? Well, you see, that quarter horse is going to have to work himself to death in a fast, fast trot. To keep up with that pacer. I mean, that pacer just just shoveling right down the road. And a quarter horse is going to be trotting just boom, 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 boom. That's the way it's going to be. So, in the law of separation, the Bible says there's some things that don't make sense. You want to hook up an ox with an ass? Does that make sense? Do you think they have the equivalent pulling power? Can you take a little donkey that's no more than three feet tall, and you take a four-foot-tall oxen that happens to weigh about 1,600 pounds? Do you think that that poor little old donkey can keep up 
with that big plowing creature? Do you think so? No. This is what the Scripture is talking about too when it talks about compatibility. Amos 3 and 3. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Now let's say that Pastor Manley and I all of a sudden we got a little bit different mindset about issues. We decided that we all both wanted to contend and fight. Would we make a compatible couple in leading the church if we couldn't agree on something? Could we? No. Absolutely not. This is the reason why the Bible speaks like it does when it, when it talks about <coughs> being unequally yoked together with non-believers. 2 Corinthians 6.14 talks about this. Be ye not unequally yoked be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? I'm going to tell you something. Even in business, business ventures, you better watch who you get tangled up with. Because you may want to be extremely honest. You may be full of scruples that are, that are wholesome. And, and you may find that, that your colleague, by the standards of the world, is an upright gentleman. But you remember the way the world interprets that and the way you interpret it. Entirely different. All right? <clears throat> then, of course, <clears throat> uh, he goes on in verse 15, And what concord hath Christ with Belial, or in the Old Testament, we could say Baal, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel or non-believer? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Now, here I am, let's say a Christian. Ideally, the mind of Christ should be in me. God's going to walk in me and talk in me. But you see, all of a sudden, God wants me to go this way, and what do I want to do? I want to go this way. Does that work? No. God's saying, butterfly, fly those wings. And I say, I need those little short legs and those sharp teeth to eat leaves again. Let me tell you something. Being born again is serious business. Living in the Spirit is serious. Deuteronomy 22, the whole chapter is on the law of separation. You know, there's one thing that the Lord did in the Old Testament, and it has stuck with the Jewish people. The Jewish people have always felt we are different. I wish that somehow the Christian world today would get that same understanding. We are different. I'm not supposed to look like the world. I'm not supposed to talk like the world. I'm not supposed to act like the world. I could care less what the world is doing. 
I could care less what the world is doing. Let the world go. Let it go on its way. I don't have any fight with them. Just let it. But let me be what God wants me to be. You see, a change took place in my life one day. Jesus Christ visited my heart. I had been crawling around on my belly for years. And the Lord said, I want to make a new creature out of you. He stopped me in my tracks. Changed my mind. Reprogrammed me. I went down in the waters of baptism. I came up a new creature. Why should I want to crawl around when I can fly? Why? Tell me why. The sorrow of the world worketh death, Paul spoke of. You think Paul, when he says, if this gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost? that he was talking about a generation of people that did not have the ability to understand God. If you don't have the ability to understand God, what's the answer? The answer is not in understanding. The answer is in obedience. But you see, we live in a rebellious, disobedient world. Do you know something? You listen to me. I know my time's up. Listen to me very carefully. Do you think that all these screaming young people that travel around after Michael Jackson, do you think that they fully understand what they're doing? No. I've even asked some some people with these. You know, I've talked with young people. Some of them have, they've got their own vernacular. They've got their own way. Why do you, why do you? What do you mean by this? They got little statements and things that they make. I don't have any idea where they came from, but they'll, 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 that's the thing to do because everybody's doing it. Isn't it strange that they will do that and they don't understand it? Let me tell you something. There is this great a mystery, and when I say mystery, I'm talking about a hidden element in following the devil as there is in following God. Do you think the devil wants you to know that you're going to end up wrecked health-wise, mentally, physically? you think the devil wants you to know that you're going to hell? No. There's a lot hid from you. A lot that's hid from you. And people say, but I don't want to do anything. I don't understand what I'm doing. Ah, come on. That sounds like a statement came out of hell. The devil wants you to believe that. He wants you to believe that. Jesus Christ wants you to obey him. See, here's the principle of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. The world says, when it comes to religion, this is what the world says, 
Show me, and I'll believe. But God's principle is, you believe, and I will show you. The faith must come before the revelation. Praise God. Give me wings to fly, O Lord, and let me fly. I want you to stand with me right now. Glory. Oh. Praise God. You have to pledge your allegiance to God daily. You have to be transformed daily. Before your brains are taken away, and you've heard me make this statement so many times, it's not even even humorous anymore. The devil just likes to haul your brains off, you know? I mean, just back up with a big truck and just have your brains eating all off today. Seriously. What it likes to do. Take them out someplace and dump them. <clears throat> but before <clears throat> you fall into that, you know, backsliding is something that just occurs, just the letting down of convictions today and a lack of prayer. And Someone recently asked me, and I want you to hear this statement. Someone recently asked me, they said, Brother Grant, I know that a lot of churches in these last days have gone into extreme worldliness. I mean, just living like the world, dressing like the world, acting like the world. How do ministers who were once strong and ministers who preached holiness and such, how do they retrain the people who think this way? I mean, how do you get your people to go along with that? Well, I said, it's very simple. You don't do anything. Just don't ever say anything about separation. Don't ever say anything about holiness. Don't ever say anything about God of living. Just don't say it. You know what will happen? You'll be doing it before long. See, you need a strong voice in the pulpit. You need someone to say, you can't teach Sunday school unless you pray and seek God. You can't teach Sunday school unless you walk the line. Ah, oh yeah, I know what I'm talking about. Sure. You think your son's going to grow up to be a dependable individual? If you never make him take out the garbage, you think all of a sudden when he gets to be 18 years old, he's going to jump up and say, ah, i got a hankering to take out the garbage today. <clears throat> there you go. It doesn't work that way, though, does it? No, 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 no. They have to do it sometime when they don't want to do it. Really. They have to do it. I use that word hankering just to <clears throat> throw you for another curve. I've been throwing everybody for curves recently. <clears throat> Even myself. It really doesn't work that way. That's, that's, what, that's what you have to do in the Christian school and train the children. 
train the young people? We said, no, you can't do that. Why? Well, we try our best to explain. I'm sorry to say some of them don't understand. But we can't say, well, those who don't understand don't have to comply. But those who understand now, you have to comply. No, that's not the way we do it. We say, these are the rules. You've heard me make this statement. I had to write somebody a letter a couple of weeks ago. And I said, yes, I have been noted to be picky. And without apology, I restate my position. I am picky. But I want you to go to heaven. Just the way it is. You know what? I believe we're on a good, firm foundation on our road to heaven. Let's stay that way. The praise singers are going to sing, and we're going to open up the altar and ask you to come and pray if you'd like to give your heart to the Lord tonight. Have you been crawling around too long? You want wings to fly? God can give you power. Praise God. Come on, let's sing. Into my heart, come into my heart. Come, come on, right now. Come on. Into my heart. Come on, let's give our heart to the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Into my Come on and rededicate your life to the Lord afresh. Come on right now. Come on. That's it. Good to see our young people coming. Oh, hallelujah. Come in.